Welcome back to the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. I'm Landon Holtman. And I'm Jamie Sparks. Today on the show, we've got Jimmy Mitchell. He is the president of the Black Warrior chapter of Quail Forever. I, I don't know about you, but for me, like my parents and grandparents and all those people, you know, they used to quail hunt. And there were quail all over the place, and they used to go every day, every weekend and stuff, and that was kind of a big thing. And now it's just like there's no quail. So I've got a lot of questions for Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, Landon, I can't wait to talk to him. I got a lot of questions myself. Uh, here where I live, there's a – occasionally you'll hear a bobwhite quail whistle, you know, and, and I'm real excited to find out what I need to do and, you know, to help improve the quail habitat around here too, so – uh, it's going to be very interesting. I know it's not talking about deer and deer hunting or turkeys, whatever, what everybody's, you know, usually after. But the quail is a very important bird in the state of Alabama also. And I think we all need to do our part to help rebuild its habitat and, you know, try to get if, – if hunters are not interested in deer or kids or people in general are not interested in hunting deer or turkey, turkey or, whatever, or whatever, yeah, I think quail hunting, you know – that's, that's something that somebody could get into. It's I a very sociable style hunting. It know. is, and, and not it, you know, deer hunting's not for everybody. Neither is turkey hunting. But quail hunting, like you said, you can go out there with your buddies, watch your dogs work, and have a good time. Oh yeah. Welcome back to the Alabama Sports Podcast. I'm Jamie Sparks. And I'm Landon Holtman. And today, I know it's hunting season, deer season, but we're going to change it up just a little bit and talk a little bit about quail hunting. If you've never been quail hunting, neither have we. So this may be for you. Uh, today, we're talking with Jimmy Mitchell. He's the president of his chapter, the Black Warrior chapter. And I think he's got a lot of good information that you might want to hear. Jimmy, uh, thanks for being on the show. All right, I appreciate you guys for having me, and uh, you know, this is my passion, so uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak to some people maybe interested. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jimmy. How, how did you get into it, and how did you end up becoming president? Because you're not a very old man. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm 32 years old. I grew up in Coosie County, about the about dead center of the state, and uh, Hanover, Alabama, which is the uh, center of the county, and, uh, you know, I... You know, rural county and, you know, a lot of logging. So, you know, there's uh, there's quail left when I was growing up, probably more than there was now. But, you know, in the early 90s, I remember riding, you know, dirt roads and, you know, public access was a lot more uh, uh, then than it is now. You know, it used to be pretty attainable to get some private access and, right. you know, uh, a lot of dirt roads. And so you'd see quail crossing the roads. And uh, when I was around 13 or 14, it was kind of interest of mine. And uh, my friend, his dad, um, you know, grew up as a you know bird hunter and kind of more of the you know in the better days and the you know when it kind of started the population started going down in probably right. the the 60s and uh the, we went down to Lowndes County WMA which uh now you know most people would say you know how you know you know how could you hunt quail there because that's you know, not far from Montgomery down. right Lowndes County yeah, yeah that's on the Alabama River uh, just uh 30 minutes uh west of Montgomery uh just uh, south of the Alabama River and what it was the state had bought the property and it was a lot of row crop land and they reforested it in um, oak trees and that was part of the Corps of Engineer mitigation plan and so now it's you know it's there's no there's no plants under the understory and I think there's plans to kind of uh, 
you know, go in and take some of those oaks out because they've reached their maximum capacity, at, you know, what sunlight they're getting. So, anyways, we, we hunted down there and, you know, go to Barber at uh, WMA as well and, uh, you know, did some put and take birds on their place, which is, you know, what more people are coming with, uh, coming to these days because, you know, the, the, the lack of birds or, you know, the, how hard it is to find them. So, uh, anyways, I, so, you know, I continue to, continue to hunt and you know uh last couple of years you know i've heard a lot about quail forever and you know you know i was working in birmingham so i got um uh, you know contacted somebody and just wanted to help out and end up you know within six or seven months you know i was president of the of the chapter and you know i you know not boasting or anything but you know somebody had already served for a couple of years and they needed somebody to kind of take over and so we're trying to do a lot of a lot of things, uh, raise some money to get some money into public lands, uh, to, uh, you know, help the quail populations. And, you know, that's my priority because I know it can happen and, uh, you know, quail can rebound really fast. And, uh, you know, if we have quail in the landscape, there's going to be a lot more quail hunters, you know, as, as we raise the population, you know, because used to, there wasn't a ton of deer hunters, people were small game hunters, you know, they raised the population, you know, did restocking of deer and turkeys, and here comes your hunters. You know, as the populations go up, so as conservationists, uh, as hunters, we we also have to be conservationists and uh, you know support and put back into what we're taking from. Right, right. Jimmy. What type? What types of things are you talking about when you say uh, improving the habitats at these public land management areas? Like, what types of things would you would y'all as Quell Forever be doing to well, improve uh, the habitat? The per- one of the first chapters in the uh, state was the um, Covey Rice chapter, which is based out of Alexander City. And, you know, they're, they're doing a little bit of work on Wind Creek State Park, you know, helping with, uh, you know, burning. And they're doing some – we're trying to do youth stuff as well to try to get youth engaged and, you know, get them introduced to guns and outdoors. And uh, uh, call counts, you know, the, the state's doing call counts on like 20 of their – areas that they manage you know kind of monitoring the population they've been doing that since 2013 and the areas where they're implementing stuff and that's where we can help is say you know they're they're doing burn they own you know forever wild bought most of barber county wma so they're doing burns there you know ranging you know 200 to 500 acre burns and so we can possibly team up with the turkey federation you know on some of these burns and you know pay for help you know pay for some of these efforts um and you know we have people you know like on the connecta national forest is actually out helping do these call counts you know because they're they're limited resources a lot of these wmas may only have one biologist and two two technicians so you know it's and you can only do when you're doing call counts from october 15th and november 15th you know you can only do one point a morning and you have to have optimum weather you know that's clear you know uh non-windy and uh morning so you know, it really takes to um, take advantage of those good mornings, so it's, it's good. But you, they're doing, you know, brood rearing plots down there, you know, those plots that are open and, you know, and putting them in partridge feed uh, for, you know, just like the turkeys, you know, when they are when they hatch out, you know, they need some open kind of bare ground with some cover that they can get around and get, get you know, get bugs uh, to be able to feed because, you know, they can't crawl through, and that's... Um, you know, a lot of our habitat in Alabama is a lot of non-native grass fields, fescue, bahia grass, Johnson grass, and, you know, now, you know, we introduced, uh, or accidentally, Kogan grass got up here from Florida, so. Now, what is uh, that? 
cooking grass is an invasive grass that came from Asia, and they think that it started spreading its way north. You know, it was known was in Florida, but when I think the drought around 2007, people started going to Florida because they had hay, and people were bringing hay up, you know, through Alabama and places, and you know, just carrying bales of hay down the road or tractors or anything like that. Yeah. You know, just one seed, you know, you know, goes into, uh, you know, your farmer's pasture you know it's going to take off from there what it is what does it look like it's uh very blady grass and uh sort of very, like johnson uh, grass is it sort of like johnson grass i would say more fescue okay um, that, that i'd say yeah it, and it, it i think it's easily most easily identified in may or june it makes a big white uh seed head right and that's what you know that wind can carry those seeds out really far and if it ever gets in the woodlands you know when you when you try to burn it to control it it burns too hot and it often kills your trees and then the oh. cattle don't want to eat it because it has like a, a, a sticky it has like a like razor type uh i guess rhizomes on the blades but uh you know it's just you know we got a lot of invasive plants in alabama but the, you yeah. know a lot of people there was a lot of early education on it, so i think there's a lot of you know the dot if you ever see a brown spot in the middle of a four lane it's got fence posts around it it's probably that was probably covered in grass they sprayed it real heavy and tried to keep mowers off of it because if a mower ever hits that stuff it's going to spread it even more so how far but north that, i'm sorry go ahead well uh how far north is it yes uh i thought it was only to central alabama but i think i saw where uh the biologist on skyline wma was trying to remove some of it so wow uh, i saw the tennessee line so i would not i'm not surprised because it spreads fairly easy wow god that's but, crazy you know get back to you know stuff we're doing we're, we're our chapter you know we raise money you know from our um banquet we had several weeks ago like the ducks unlimited or turkey federation does and we're looking for places the best places to spend your know, money we just you know for me you know there's a lot of places we could just spend money, but I want to find the places that have some of the best populations that we can work on and kind of springboard those populations. And, you know, where, where can we best spend our money and work with the, with the state, you know, some of the public lands to, you know, really, you know, help out and, you know, bring some populations back. Cause there is that they're doing work like freedom Hills and Barber where they own the land and they can control the burn sizes populations you know or at least uh, maintaining and you know on years you know they're they're increasing and that shows you know that's what it takes you know it takes habitat you know there's no predator control there which predator control is is a great thing that's pretty helpful but in alabama you know that's not the biggest limiting factor you know it's 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 habitat you know we've you know used to we had um you know in the 40s and 50s you know you know there were small farms and you know timber being cut and so there's just a lot of natural habitat now we have to be intentional about the habitat and you know uh, quail are not as uh uh, acceptable to change as deer and turkeys you know i say deer are more adaptable than any of them oh yeah yeah they are you know they can they can you know and turkeys you know behavior grass is not the best for turkeys but they will eat on but behavior grass is terrible for quail well, back to something you said earlier. Uh, what was the? What do you attribute to the decline in the quail population? Uh, habitat. You know, we're we're not. You know, we're Texas. We're 
out west, you know, like Texas is known great quail state, Oklahoma, west Oklahoma, you know, water is there, you know, if they get a rain, most likely they're going to have really good bird numbers. Right. But Alabama is not that way. We have enough, we have enough rain to do, you know, what we need to do. You know, it, it grows enough plants, but oftentimes, you know, we got too many trees, you know, because people, I think a lot of people have a preservation mindset. Everybody wants to kill a, a turkey in the hardwood trees. And, you know, I, just as much as I do, but I understand that, you know, everything in moderation, uh, you know, a thousand acres of, you know, uh, virgin hardwood trees is not the best thing for wildlife. You know, you don't have any forage, you know, down in the, down below the trees. And, you know, they can only eat off acorns, you know, three or four months out of the year, you know, they're going to rot. So uh, you got to have something, uh, you know, growing below that, you know, your, uh, you know, your briars for bed and, you know, your, your rabbits, if you want to have a, you know, a health, overall healthy ecosystem, but, you know, habitat, you know, we got non-native grasses in our pastures, you know, everybody says, you know, I used to have, you know, quail in these fields, but you look at most fields in Alabama, you know, they're mowed, you know, they're overgrazed, you know, which oh, yeah. is probably better than them being grown up because a lot of the grasses that we have are Bahia, Festier, and Johnson's grass, right. and all those are not native to the U.S., and we didn't have those back, probably, they weren't as abundant in the 40s and 50s when quail populations were, were great. We didn't have to deal with those. We had the native grasses, blue stem, Indian grass, um, you know, and, and your cattle grazed, you know, and we didn't graze as heavy. And those grasses, you know, that's where the birds nest, and they can use it as roosting cover as well. And, um, you know, your ragweed and uh, partridge pea, you know, those came along with, you know, disturbance on the ground, and we had a lot more fire as well. Um, you know, and I think people got a little bit more acceptable with fire, but, you know, Smokey Bear put a, a kind of hamper and made people nervous about fire, you know. Right. It's like we hear nowadays, you know, when it got dry several months or a month ago, right. you know, people come on the radio it's like, we had a wildfire, you know, before they were given these fire conditions, and, you know, it may have been a, a quarter acre that was burned in a median on a road, and I'm like, that, that's not a wildfire. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. we don't need a fire that, you know, it's not smart to light a fire then, but, you know, healthy fire or prescribed fire is a great thing for you know all wildlife i agree you know it's yeah it's it, we really need it and you know we need more people using it and, you know knowing how to use it but people used to use it all the time because it was an affordable tool to you know clean off the garden or clean off their you know five acre cornfield you know to to feed their family or whatever and or you know clean up the underbrush you know behind their house or whatever and you know fires got out and you know we didn't worry about them quite as much and you know uh but uh i'd say you know habitat's the biggest the biggest thing in alabama in a nutshell you know and that's the non-native grasses the lack of burning and the lack of uh you know we have a pretty good bit cutting in the and the big and like the tennessee valley you know we got big agriculture you know we got three or four hundred acre fields and it's not broke you know we're planting edge to edge you know tree line to tree line and you know if farmers would just leave a 33 foot buffer all along that field because you can tell when a field is you know you can tell when you go by that field it's not very productive on the edge because when you go by it if you watch on that tree line your your corn's getting shorter and shorter it's closer and closer you get to that tree line right so it's a lot of times they're they're wasting money and you know they can get there's government subsidies to, to pay them to take it out of production right you know to help the health of wildlife and that's that's not just for you know quail that's you know that's for songbirds and uh deer and turkeys they're all going to benefit from it right but you know that it all boils down to habitat i can list all the you know
know, this specific habitat. Uh, but, you know, in a nutshell, it's habitat. All right. So habitat's the number one reason for the decline in the population. And would you say predation is the second? Yeah, I would, I would say so. You know, we, we used to, you know, people used to trap back in the day and, you know, nobody hardly traps anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, that would definitely help. You know, if, if people got, you know, a hundred acre uh, pasture with non-native grasses in it that can't provide a nest for turkey or, or quail or turkeys, and then they got a woodland area, if they go out there and trap, uh, you know, coons and possums, you know, it's not really going to do very much because they don't probably have quail but if you if you start taking the steps in your population you know in your habitat and then you start trapping on top of that and you know and you, you already got some birds and you start trapping because you know, your biggest predators are are your nest predators you know if that's the only ones you can legally do anything about you can't legally take hawks or you know right. owls or anything like that right. but you know the nest predator which are skunks coons and possums uh they they are really bad you know for for quail and, and turkeys as well you know and if uh you know it, it really doesn't hurt to trap those and if you want to uh you know you could probably sell all your traps 10 traps on you know 400 acres and you know you think you're really making a dent in them this year and come back next year you probably catch just as many right you know, they, there's there's a ton of them out there and you can see them on the road you know they're just really prolific and uh you know it, it definitely would help you know a place that's being managed you know to take those right um, I seen a thing one time that uh, even even uh, armadillos will raid a bobwhite quail's nest. Is that true? I, I would not be shocked. You know, uh, you know everything. You know, just about will eat a quail, and that's you know that's a, that's a bad thing for the quail. And um, you know, er, er, a lot of people want to blame coyotes. You know, not so much on the eggs, but on the birds. And you know, they will, but it's not a not a great um it's not a great threat and uh, but you know I, th- I just saw some news out of georgia the other day the tall timber research station which is one of the leading researchers for quail and they're down you know on the alabama i mean the florida and georgia line, state line and uh, you know they've been researching for quail for a long time and one of their research students um found a frog that had a a quail a frog you know, a frog yeah. ate a quail Everybody, it must really be good. Come on, something, but you know, you know, your big ones, you know, your big ones are coons and, and possums, and you know, that's your and your your hawks. You know, get your you know your probably your small quail and your um, you know, your adult quail. Right. But you can't do anything about those legally. You know, your avian predators. You know, your mammalian predators. You can you can you can kind of control. And if I were going to control any, it would be uh, you know, possums and uh, coons. Right. And uh, there's a whole list, you know, you know, you can say snakes or uh, fire ants and all of that has a small part, but not a great part, you know, and if people really wanted to make a difference in Alabama, you know, spend that money on habitat, spend that money on uh, taking behaved grass and fescue you out, you know, cutting some timber, putting some fire on the ground. If, you know, if that's, you really want to make your dollars, you know, go a long way, that's, that's really what you should spend them on. Right. Now, you talked about earlier also in the, when you started out uh, talking about helping uh, the youth. How, how do y'all go about uh, getting youth involved? And, and, and not just youth, just 
people in general that you know may want to get into hunting quail or or you know just think they want to get into hunting in like general new how, hunters like yeah new hunters somebody that wants to be a quail hunter yeah. how would they how, get how, into how, quail hunting how do you get those involved well the covey rice chapter you know they've been active since like 2009 or so since you know quail forever started in 2005 and they're a branch off of pheasants forever um and Pheasants Forever has been, I think, alive since 1982, and they said, you know, we want to kind of get down in the quail country and see if, uh, and they talked with some of the other organizations, that, you know, like Tall Timbers, and said, you know, can we, you know, you all know, think this is beneficial, and everybody was on board, so, you know, there's nine chapters in the state now, and like four years ago, there was only two, right. and so Auburn University just got a chapter, um, but the Covey Rice chapter, they've done kind of taking them to Selwood Farms there right. in um, mm-hmm. Alpine in right. between, um, you know, in Talladega County. They have a and nice kind place, of, too. kind of done mock, you know, kind of a mock hunt just to get them some exposure, I think, to gun safety and, you know, actually going up to a dog on point and kind of flushing the bird and uh, getting them a shot. And so we're, we're only – two or three years old so we haven't done any youth events yet but we're, we're talking about it and uh you know we may not do a quail hunt and you know i've been thinking i was thinking about it on the way home from work today and it's so it's so hard to get them you know somebody that hasn't you know it's something different you know if somebody's been exposed to guns and you know gun safety it makes you feel a lot better but if they haven't you know it might be better to do a squirrel hunt right. you know it, it doesn't matter to us we you know we're like everybody else. There's a decline in hunter numbers, and we need to do something about that. That's we don't right. care. Exactly. We don't care if we work their rabbit hunting. We don't care if they're hog hunting. You know, we need them. We need, you know, them out there in the outdoors because, you know, if they're buying a hunting license in the future, you know, that is our future. If they're buying a hunting right. license or a fishing license, that's going back into conservation. I, 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 so I say that. Sport, we we got to have it. I say that all the time. It's. It's Jamie Sparks' job. It's Landon Holtman's job. And it's Jimmy Mitchell's job. And everyone else that loves to hunt and fish, it's our job to help sell those fishing licenses, those hunting licenses, or whatever licenses they are. It's our job to try to get people involved and to, you yeah, know, buy fishing. those licenses. Yeah, and and I think somebody with uh, one of the conservation departments told me that you know there's a lot of these uh, shooting school clubs and schools now, and I right. think Michigan has a big big thing and you know that's great but they said it really doesn't correlate the, the future hunters and i don't really know mm. i haven't seen the numbers but i will say i you know I, I was looking at somebody from wisconsin the other day and they took somebody on a mentored hunt and he's like i feel comfortable taking him around my dog he you know he's been shooting you know clays for a long time he knows hunter safety he's it, it may i don't know if it correlates to future hunters but I, I will say that it's going to make you feel a whole lot better when you want to take somebody out to hunting besides somebody that you don't have a clue about hunter safety because it's, it's going to be, you know, you want to spend an hour with them on, like, safety, you know, how to handle yeah. the gun and, you know, how to be safe with it. And, you know, because that's the last thing we need is somebody to get hurt because that's going to make a, right. a bad image for our sport. So, you know, we, we you know, safety needs to be paramount. So, you know, I, I, I haven't seen those statistics, but, you know, I don't see where it'd be a bad thing, you know, just to have a day, you know, shooting, cl- you know, shooting clays introduction, you know, just maybe, you know, five rounds of some clays, you know, just to get used to the gun, you know, somebody, you know, 11, 12, 13 doesn't have a great attention span and, you know, you don't need to, you know, put too much on them and kind of let them soak it in and, you know, you know if they want, 
if they have a passion for it and you don't want to go back next time, you know, that's great. But right. it's all about the introduction. You know, a lot of us kind of, you know, some of us kind of maybe lose it around the high school years, not as passionate about it, but you pick it back up, you know, a little bit later on. No, oh, definitely. Uh, Jimmy, what about the uh, quail populations in Alabama? Like, what do the biologists say the numbers are? Well, they're not great as, as, as a whole, but, you know, there are places that, you know, are doing quail work here in Coosa County, uh, in the southern part of the county. There's a guy that, a uh, family farm, they had about 500 acres, and one of the guys, uh, his son's moved to Texas, and I think he was really um, great at business, and uh, he wanted to start you know hunting wild quail and so he's worked at it he's acquired you know he's got about 3,500 acres put together and they're averaging providing 15 you know coveys a day of wild birds and you know there's there's places uh, like Peachburg uh, Lodge down in Barber County or Bullock and you know there's several wild quail plantations that may may or not be open to the public you know if the hunts are available to the public they're expensive but there are that that's just an example of people who are putting the habitat in and then you know if you put the habitat in you know three or four years the quail can respond really quickly it doesn't take a long time it's not as long as deer you know if you've got two coveys on 500 acres if you put the habitat in you know you could could easily double that population in a couple of years um you know there's a guy in st Clair county around cook springs uh he's got about 2500 acres he had a low population he may have had a covey or two but he's worked with tall timbers and they're doing a trans relocation of wild birds from georgia because georgia and florida have a you know that south georgia north florida area has a lot of expensive private plantations that people support a lot of money in to have wild birds and they have them so tall timbers is a leading research and they're able to go in some of these landowners have said you know i want the betterment of quail i will you know donate some birds and they'll you know capture them these are wild birds these are not pen raised birds pen raised birds you know that you know farmer john down the road hatches in his uh hatches in his quail house don't have the genetics to survive the wild you know 95 percent of them die because they just don't have the genetics but they're taking wild birds and putting them you know how they they've studied for a year how, how to do this and you know he they're taking it to these properties uh and they've done it in south carolina they've done done them in alabama and i think the rule is if your quail population when they try to relocate them to your property if in five years your population grows by like 40 percent you have to donate back to the program so they'll be able to take you know birds from here and maybe it's got to be kind of the same ecosystem that piney woods ecosystem right you know not necessarily farmland and you know there's there's all kind of ways that you know quail can make it in the crop you know crop fields you know with uh shrub cover and grasslands bordering but you know the piney woods you know can just about provide done correctly can provide everything they need you know it has shrub cover in it you know it burned correctly it has some grass you know it's it's a complete ecosystem and quail are a uh, they're not a cropland bird you know they have they have adapted over the years you know back in the 40s and 50s to the crops but they are a grassland birds they survived before we ever started farming you know you know in texas and kansas you know they were in the grass without crops and they were doing well you know we don't really need crops for quail you know sometimes it works but we can live without it 
Right. But as far as the whole state, you know, the, the four WMAs that are probably the best populations and the numbers are not too shabby are um, Shakalaka, uh, Freedom Hills, and northwest Alabama, um, up around north of Russellville, uh, Barber WMA, which makes sense. That's kind of the historic quail range, you know, uh, down in Barber, Bullet, Macon counties. And uh, I think the other one is Geneva State Forest down on Clark Line. Right. And that's, and that's, that's a pretty area down there. It looks like quail habitat. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And uh, uh, the whole Conecuh National Forest, you know, probably, right. you know, has birds. And a lot of the Talladega National Forest has birds, um, you know, in different places. You just, you got to know what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, it might take some walking. But, uh, you know, Barber and Freedom Hills, pretty good bird numbers. Right. What is, uh, is CRP, is it good for the quail? I would say you know, what most people, you know, uh, a CRP like South Dakota and Kansas, no, if it's not grazed, you know, a lot, oftentimes it, it gets some, you know, left for maybe a year or two, right. three without any, you know, you know, anything on it, disking or grazing or anything. And it's just too thick. You know, if you walk through it, it's great for pheasants. But once you go through it and you're like, how could it, you know, think about a, a small quail, you know, the size of a bumblebee, how can they walk through this because i think the first i think quail's on the ground for the first six or eight weeks of its life before it can fly and i don't think a turkey i don't think a turkey's on the ground but like maybe eight days or something like that they can fly up to a tree right you know you know in that in that time frame but it's you know a lot of the grasses around here people you know there's no disking on it you know like not a heavy disking but a, a light disking just to bear the ground a little bit or fire or uh, grazing, you know, uh, there's some guys in Missouri that's done some studies on, you know, incorporating a little bit all of that, you know, grazing on and burning and everything. But they said that, and, and that's kind of a similar landscape, you know, it's kind of, they get the same amount of moisture we do and kind of, you know, woodlands mix with, uh, you know, pasture land. And they said that if, a, if ground is not burned in the last 12 months quail won't use it they'll you know they'll vacate it you know as far as their brood you know their brood right. and their nesting they won't they they'll vacate it uh you know they may come back to an area that's you know only been burned like two years ago after the brood gets up you know or, you know later in the winter when it gets thinner but um you know it's the crp is just you know it gets knee you know knee high you know and, you know it's yeah if just think about it this way if you're if you're walking across a field and you're having to almost stumbling because you're 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 kicking through the the grass is so thick, it's probably too thick for quail. Right. If you can't walk through it, I'm sure that quail can't walk. You know, if you can't get your boots through it and you're getting tangled up and you're having to kick your way through the grass, it's probably too thick for quail and probably for a a, a turkey pole as well. Right. I didn't even think about that. The, the bare ground, you know, it's great. You know, they can get in there and you know they want to get under. Think about them. They want to get under that grass or, or vegetation. You know, ragweed. Ragweed's great. Just one stem, it comes up. You know, probably four, you know, two feet at sometimes, eighteen inches, uh, two feet, and it, and it and it heads off really thick at the top. Kind of makes an umbrella. That's right. what they need. And you know, the hawks and everything can't really, you know, get or see in there too well. And you know, it also produces a seed for the winter, and the quail can walk right through it. 
So you keep talking about the avian predators. Are they uh, are they worse on the quail population than your your mammals or like bobcats and foxes or you know are they about I, the same? I think they are. Okay. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think they they are they're worse. Right. I think your your two main predators are your nest predators, coons and possums, and then next probably close in line. Well, I'd say probably not as as close because they're trying to catch young birds or adult birds, uh, so they're going to be harder to catch. Uh, so probably not as bad, but you know that that'd be your next ones. But I, I, you know, coyotes, you know, a lot of times probably eat rats or <clears throat> rabbits before they would. Well, a coyote, he's a he'll eat whatever's around. You know, he's yeah. a survivor. <laughs> he's going to eat. Yeah, they don't. They don't yeah. eat anything. He'll go eat. He'll start eating blackberries if he has to. You know. Yeah, or persimmon. Yeah. Same yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apples. Uh, I know a guy where I used to live. He had some apple trees, and uh, he had pictures of coyotes climb those apple trees and were eating apples off the branches. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you, they're, right? oppor- they're very opportunist. Oh yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me though if they didn't eat quail first, because I've had quail, and buddy, it is good. Everything eats quail. I eat quail <laughs> eggs every time I go to a gas station. I'll get me a jar. Yeah, yeah, every time I go to a gas station, I got to get me a jar of those quellies. <laughs> but uh, how does how how would someone? Uh, I tell you what, I'm, before I ask that question, um, I got an email from uh, James Glenn. He's the president of the Northeast Alabama Quails Forever, and uh, he got me in touch with you. And uh, he said that you were trying to get uh, a tag, a Quail Forever tag, card tag in the state of Alabama. Tell us a little bit about that. It, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, similar to the uh, Turkey Federation or the Ducks Unlimited tag. You know, we, we submitted for a Class B. That is a – got to have a 1,000 people pre-commit before they'll print it. So we have a design, and, uh, you know, I, I sent that to you, and you can share it um, so people can see. It's got some, kind of some piney, piney woods and some green in the background and a couple of – one close-up quail and one behind is the image. And right. – um, we need a thousand people to pre-commit to buying that within a year, and so we started in May, and we have this coming up May, so we're kind of halfway. Uh, and I'm hoping you, know, with it being hunting season, and you know, I'm past doing my banquets, I'm hoping I can push it and get it get it out in some media some more. Uh, so what that entails, you can't just go to the courthouse uh, to pre-commit to this because it's really not available to buy. You know, they need before they waste the money and get the printer fired up, uh, they need to, you know, have, say, you know, there's enough people have interest in it. So you got to click the website link, go to, I think it's um, Alabama Motor Vehicle, and you can search down through there. Or you can go to our, um, we have an Instagram page, uh, Black Warrior Quell Forever, or any of the other Quell Forever chapters. Um, just about all of them have Facebook pages, but Black Warrior Quell Forever, our Facebook page, uh, you'll see it you know, through the feed there. We got a link directly to it, and you, all you have to do is have your uh, your name and address, credit card, and your vehicle's VIN or tag number, and you'll pay $50. And what that does is you get a receipt, and when a 1,000 people sign up, whether that's you know, at the right at May when we, you know the deadline, or that's in December. As soon as that's printed, you can go take it to the courthouse and say, "I want to fulfill my, you know, my fifty dollars." The catch to that is, if it's not your, 
your tag renewal time, you'll have to pay your you'll have to pay your tag renewal as well. Right. With that, or you can wait if if your renewal period is you know April, you can wait till April and say, I want to you know take that receipt with you and say, I I, I purchased one of these. I want you know I want to you don't have to pay fifty dollars again. I'm this is my fifty dollars you know receipt where I pay this and just pay renewal and you'll be ready to get you know they'll they'll print it for you. So we need a thousand people, and what what that's going to do? I think you get forty three dollars and fifty cents out of every uh, forty three dollars and fifty cents of every um, every purchase comes back to Quill Forever, and that's not just our chapter. I was, you know set it up kind of through a you know state fund where the money has to stay in the state, so it will stay local, and you know we can we can do things like youth activities and hunter recruitment with it. Or we can do, you know, we can do habitat work. We can, you know, do we can, we can kind of split it up the way we want to. Well, the way I've tried to set it up is we got a five-person board of people who, you know, kind of represent quail forever in the state, kind of like presidents and people who are really knowledgeable about quail habitat, um, you know, some biologists, and say, you know, you know, from all over the state and say, where's the needs and where can we, where can we benefit the most by, you know, spending $10,000 here this year, or, you know, can we, you know, just, you know, can we help, you know, can we, does the Turkey Federation, or they, do they got a, a burn crew that can burn, you know, several blocks on Barber or Freedom Hills, and, you know, if, if we, they had an extra $5,000, you know, they could do more, we could do more work together, you know, because we got, we have to work together, you know, to really leverage you know what we got going on and we don't have to work we don't you know have to work together but we want to look for opportunities to you know maximize those dollars right do y'all have a facebook page for the state of alabama yeah, black warrior quill forever black warrior and, quill forever and and there's also a page uh, uh quill forever and alabama as well right. kind of a state kind of covering you know news in the whole state but uh, the Northeast Alabama Quill Forever has a uh, Facebook page. There's several new chapters that started up. At the uh, Auburn University chapter, I think they have a Facebook page already. They just started in the last three weeks. Then there's a, a chapter at Muscle Shoals, Florence area. Right. And then Northeast Alabama, which they're kind of, I guess they call themselves Skyline or yeah. uh, Section Alabama. Then uh, Alexander City, uh, Andalusia, Dosen. And uh, Demopolis area, Linden. Then there's us. I'm trying to make sure I'm not forgetting one. And I think there's talks of one maybe in Mobile. Okay. Well, how do y'all go about recruiting new members? Uh, kind of the banquet, you know, you know, sending out email lists, hoping people will bring people, you know, kind of put flyers up, uh, you know, at outdoor stores, you know, let people know we're having a banquet. You know, they come to the banquet, hopefully have a good time, let them know what, kind of know what we're doing, uh, you know, serve them dinner, you know, kind of have chances to win shotguns and, you know, uh, pitchers and hunting gear and, you know, have a good time, you right. know, and that kind of supports us, you know, to be able to do some, you know, hunter recruitment projects or habitat work and um, to uh, hopefully uh, increase the quail populations. Oh, yeah. And you know other, you know other wildlife as well. Oh, but yeah. uh, you know, just you know, meeting people. We're, this weekend, you know, uh, I'll be with the Covey Rice chapter down at 
Corvus Purcell Farms are having a game fair Saturday and Sunday, and so we're going to have a booth set up there and uh, hopefully get some people signed up for plates or, you know, anybody that's, uh, you know, wanting to just become a member. You know, we had a banquet in, I think it was a month and a half ago, and we had two guys come in, and it was our first banquet, and they were from Tuscaloosa because there's not a chapter over there. They were brothers, and they both wanted to become life members, and I thought they would back out, but they both went through with becoming life members. And, you know, there's only four or five of them in the state. You know, that's a $1,000 commitment. So that's, you know, it's a big commitment. What does it cost just to be a member? $35. That's, 30, that's I, the regular membership. Is that a month, a it, year, or what? That's a year. Okay. That ain't bad and the life all. membership covers, you know, you know, of course, for your lifetime. And, you know, I think they got some goods to go with that. You know, some, um, you know, jacket with Quell Forever logo, maybe some shirts. And I don't know what else they include, you know, with, uh, you know, becoming a life member. Um but what, how the, how the model is unique is, you know, $35 when we have a banquet, you know, $35 for everybody that comes in the door, it pays for a membership and then, you know, the, whatever their dinner costs, the $35 goes to corporate. And so that's all we pay corporate all year. And, you know, the $1,000, you know, that goes to corporate, you know, we right. don't see any of that money. Right. Well, any money that we raise, you know, if we want to have a ski sheet to raise money, Corporate doesn't use any of the, you know, corporate doesn't get any of that money. You know, okay. they do have staff. You know, we have a regional uh, representative. Uh, he covers Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Tennessee, and Kentucky. And I'm kind of proud to say I think we may have more chapters than Tennessee and Kentucky now. And when we started out, we were, you know, we were way behind. And so we've really gained ground, uh, you know, as far as getting people's interest. So now we just need to, you know, raise more dollars and put it on the ground. But uh, that $35 goes to pay, like, a salary and people, you know, administrative fees. And, uh, you know, they can help leverage that dollar. So everything else we raise, you know, we, we decide where we spend it. You know, if we, That's good. we can spend it in the state. So if we want to spend money at Barber, if we want to spend it at Freedom Hills or, you know, or Old Morgan WMA. And it doesn't have to be quail. It has to be wildlife. So if we want to do a, you know, turkey project you know, with the Turkey Federation, and it may not be something that's 100% quail, like, you know, we could do something a little better, we can do, we can do, you know, with duck nesting boxes if we wanted to. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't, as long as it's for wildlife, you know, that's what, it's a conservation, you know, we're a conservation organization, and we control the money that we raise, besides the membership fee. Uh, James sent us a, a, a request, uh, an invitation to the uh, banquet up in Section, Alabama. That's right. Are, are you going to be there at that one? I'm not. That's a little far from it. I try to make most of them, but I think it's on a weekday night. And uh, I believe I'm it's on the seventh, if I'm so. not mistaken. I believe. I, I had to go back and check, but uh, I think Landon and I, I think we're going to go try to make it up there. I, I would highly recommend it. I Definitely, think they had man. A really good turn. It was their first year last year, and I think they had a hundred people attend. So, and I, you know, I think they're going to have, you know good amount of shotguns there and you know probably a lot of hunting gear and some good food so sure to be a good time right well um when does quail season start in alabama i believe it starts this weekend you know i'm not gonna be able to go uh, i'm gonna be which i think the season you know gets better as later as it gets because the cover dies down a little bit and doesn't get so thick so it kind of i think it you know, you can concentrate the birds a little bit more but uh i'll be at that game fair this weekend and 
then uh, the next week I'm going to Kansas for their opener oh, okay. uh, for pheasants and quail, and then I'll be back here probably hunting for the rest of the year uh, and probably throw in, throw in some woodcock as well because, you know, a lot of people don't think of woodcock in, you know, Alabama or maybe you don't even know what it is, but, you I've know, it's another upland bird and it's got a 45-day season and, you know, they migrate through Alabama and, you know, kind of like that early successional thicker than quail, you know, more trees, but, you know, the briars kind of scattered with some, you know, dense, you know, oak, oak bottom or sweet gum bottom This you know, eight or ten years old kind of moist you know they like to get a pro worms it's another bird that will hold for pointing dogs and you know you can go in and you know have a good shoot if you can find them all right oh what about snap uh i don't think they hold very well for pointing <laughs> dog you know i think some people have hunted them but i think they're better to walk them up you know with either a lab or you know uh, but they're they're very i've had places in Coosa County cow pastures over the years just had a little bit of water and you know I've seen them in great numbers but uh there's some places you know like along the Tennessee River and some of those wet wet uh, open you know kind of field bottoms that kind of flood out and get a little moisture uh I mean they're they are a blast to shoot I mean you know you can waste a whole box of shells really fast oh yeah uh, I, I kind of got addicted to them hunting duck hunting over Mississippi got some uh uh, some shallow water impoundments and uh they, there weren't a whole, whole lot of ducks but the snipe were just you know you, you could jump them up and they have fly 50 yards in the challenge and you know trying to sneak up on them again and you know they make a um you know erratic noise when they get up and so do woodcock but the snipe are, are probably half the size and uh they are you know if you if you hit one i mean it's a lot of fun with a 20 gauge 28 gauge you know shooting those birds right yeah, we uh we have a hunt club in Bibb County, and uh, we actually that place is covered up in snipe. But also, also our quail population has has really taken off here in the past five years. We have a lot of good wild coveys of quail there, and I tell you what, they will scare the crap out of you. You don't know what's coming off your you know, leg. Yeah, I'm telling you well, what. Well, that's that's great to hear. Is that uh Bibb County? That's Centerville and right. Brent area right we're um we're in the randolph area of uh, centerville okay. right below Broadfield. I, I was trying to make sure i had the right county so right south of shelby or west of shelby exactly yeah we're uh okay. south of montevallo on 139 okay yeah so uh we are uh we got it we got so, a little so, go ahead a lot of uh timber company land that's that what it is along. it is timber company land that we have yeah so you're finding the the quail in uh Clear cuts or thin pines? Uh, both. both, both. It's it's really it's really taken off. And uh, actually, on one of our podcasts, we had uh, Sean Phillips on, and he's a trapper. He has that down south trappers, and uh, he said actually that when you see your uh, small game animals start, you know, thriving like that, that your predators are low. And at one time, there about five years ago, I, our coyotes got you know they got really thinned out, and he said that a uh, a disease. I can't remember what was it. Parvo. It got them. It was something. It was that something came like that. Killed a bunch of them. Killed all. a lot of coyotes out. But you know, of course, you know your bobcats and your foxes. You know they they were still there. But uh, but our quail population has really taken off. And we actually That's listen. Right listen to what we did here. We actually uh, acquired a member in our hunting club. He does. He all he does is coon hunt, and he don't coon hunt during turkey season. He don't coon hunt during deer season. But with off season, that's all he does is coon hunt, and that right there has helped us out so much. Him killing coons, and oh, yeah. I mean it is. I mean it. It was a blessing to have him come along, 
And it was a by accident that we picked him up. There's really no telling what it's going to do for the turkeys as well. Exactly. Daniel. I mean, really. Exactly. Yep. So, and like, our turkey like we pappel, talked about earlier, you know, people people used to trap. It used, you know, people used to could make money off of, you know, uh, hides from coons and, you know, stuff. And their trapping was, uh, you know, prevalent back along with those quail years. And, you know, you don't see trappers hardly anymore. That's right. That's right. You and, don't. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, some of the, I don't know, we're going to get into it, but there's some programs out there to try to teach kids trapping. And so I'm kind of excited about that. You know, hopefully, you know, it's hard to have time for that. You know, just about have to be able to go check them every day. So that's right. You know, it's kind of difficult. So I understand that. Need some banking hours. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're going to try to get into it. Uh, you know, just, just because what you're saying here and what we've heard in the past and what you hear at night when they're howling, uh, like where I live, we got we got a lot of coyotes here, and it drives my dog crazy at night. And so we're gonna start trapping on our on our property here, and then we're gonna start trapping during the hunting season at the hunting club because someone's always down there. They'll always be able to check the traps. Yeah. So we're really gonna get into it and try to help out a lot. You know, try to get the coyote population back under check. I mean, I it wouldn't. I, I wish every coyote in Alabama would die tonight. I oh mean, yeah. I really do. I wish they'd all get. I think everybody would. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather have uh, our native predators like bobcats and foxes than a coyote, yeah. you know. So, I'd, I'd really much have uh When does quail season go out? When's the last day of quail season? It's usually, I haven't looked at it, but it's usually the last day of February. February. The last weekend of February. So now, does that count for quail farms also? 20th. What is that? Does that go for quail farms also? No, quail farms are actually, I think, around... Uh, middle of October to middle of March. Okay. Now, I will say most of them, you know, if it's most of them have kind of died down. Like they don't do a lot of hunt. the game farms don't do hunts much after February. If they do some, if the weather's probably good, but you know that you're kind of starting to warm up and you're probably gonna have a couple of warm days. So if it's a warm weekend, you know they probably won't do hunts because you know it gets hot for the dogs and everything. Oh, yeah. and same way with middle of October, you know it's you know like day you know it's decently warm you know it, that's not really good to, for a dog to smell you know birds um you know in kind of the hotter weather and it wears them out real quick so right. you know optimum you know if you really want to maximize your your chances of your dog finding birds you know a, a good uh um a, you know a kind of a, not a moist day not a rainy day but, heavy dew you know, so dry yeah and and also you know uh you know not so hot as well dog's going to pick up scent a lot better. Right. What does, uh, what would you say a good dog, what type of dogs do people use? To quail well, hunt? in the south, I think, you know, pointers, the, the, the most common, uh, you know, historically the most common dog, but t- today, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've had Britneys and, you know, uh, you know, I like, I love pointers, but, you know, Britneys just, what works for me a little bit smaller and stuff like that, but, uh, plantations you know kind of barber bullet and you know georgia you know those people are going to have pointers that's just kind of the status of the south you know as a pointer but you know the people have got i think german shorthair is probably you know probably for a preserved dog probably a more common breed and then you know a lot of people have them for pets so german shorthair is probably really common Brittany's uh people gotten into german wire hairs and you know, some setters, you know, setters kind of, you know, get a little hot down here in the south, you know, they're more of a northern dog, because, you know, they can handle, you know, 
they can handle the cold, you know, better. And around here, you know, they get, you know, cocoa burrows. What's left of the cocoa burrows, you know, they get, you know, they get knotted up in the dogs, you know, longer hair. But a little bit of everything nowadays. Right. What would uh, a good dog usually run somebody? Uh, porters, I think some of your cheaper dogs, I think you can get, you know, some really well-bred pointers for, you know, $800. You know, Britney's are kind of the, the upper end. You know, a lot of people want, you know, maybe 800 to 1500 for those. Uh, German short hair is probably, you know, six to 600 to 1000 uh, You could probably find some cheaper, you know, uh, just looking at the genetics is, you know, the biggest thing, you know, uh, you know, you know, if you've seen a dog hunt, you've seen both parents hunt, they like what you do. I mean, it's not that important, you know, if they breed, you know, uh, you know, it might be the dog for you, but, you know, if you go to a breeder and, you know, you got concerns about what you're getting, you know, you know, if you see some champion bloodlines in the dog, you know, that's probably what you need to go with if you want to make sure you're, you know, you know, stack the odds in your favor of having a really good dog. Right. Well, how would somebody get started, you know, if they – if they wanted to get into, you know, quail hunting, how how how'd they go about it? Where would they go? Uh, like I said, those four four areas that I mentioned: Chocolaca Barber, um, uh, Geneva State Forest, and mm-hmm. Freedom Hills. I mean, that kind of covers all quadrants of the state. Right. And so, I don't really think that's bad. You know, Skyline up there on Tennessee Line it has decent herd numbers. You know, uh, and you know, call the you know if somebody doesn't have a place to go, you know, call you know whatever WMA is that's close to you, get in touch, you know, you can go to Outdoor Alabama and go into the, the management areas and pull up the map and you can find the um, WMA biologist number on there, give them a call and, you know, ask them what kind of opportunities and they can kind of point you in the right direction. Right. Um, you know, if somebody wanted to call me, you know, you know, I'll be glad to give my number and uh, email and, you know, if anybody would like to, you know, reach out to me, you know, I don't know every place in the state, but I know, you know, a little, little bit about all of them. I know more on some areas than others. And, uh, I'd be happy to point somebody, you know, in the, in the general direction to that's get started awesome. and take them, you know, and take them out as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, that's a start, you know, if they want to go on their own, you know, Alabama, outdoor Alabama, the WMAs, national forests, you know, they're on an interactive map so you can see the boundaries, you right. know, and, there's on X maps now, you know, you can see property owners, so you can see the, the public lands or, you know, if somebody's in a hunting club like you and they have, you know, some clear cuts or, you know, some thin pines or, you know, both of those, uh, you know, they got a couple thousand acres of that, you know, you know, you're, you're pretty much told them where they, you know, they go. If you're on a hunt club and after a deer hunt, they want to get their dog. They already got a dog or they want to get one, start taking them out, you know, after their deer hunts. That's that's very that's very good advice right there because we actually have thought about doing that. We actually have thought about doing that at our hunt club, letting folks come in and you know trying to run their dogs. And because I, I I tell you what, there's there's nothing better to watch than watch a, a dog work. I don't care if it's a duck dog, a rabbit dog, yeah, or or a quail a bird dog. I mean, it is fun to watch a dog work. That and that's that's what gets me too. I, I love. You know, I love watching rabbits, and I got a lab. I duck hunt with her, and you know, I've, I've shot quail over. You know, uh, I've shot you know pheasants over. I've shot a little bit of everything over. I've let her, you know, I let her flush birds, and uh, you know, it's you know, I got a let's see the habitat chair of our, our uh, chapter. 
lives over in Brookwood area, you know, in between Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, and he's a big rabbit hunter. I, I think he's done some quail hunting, and he's he lived out Wyoming, and he's done some sage grouse and sharp-tailed grouse. But uh, you know, I'm, he's really never talked to him about bird hunting, but he's he's really active in our chapter, and you know, he's you know he's not like me; he's not a passionate bird hunter, but he's he's a rabbit hunter. But this organization gives him a place to kind of go find places to you know plug in and where we can do habitat work because he knows it's going to benefit his game as well right and so you know and he, he knows he knows a lot of stuff and you know uh, you know he, he realizes it's you know it's, it's a place for him to plug into all right well jimmy we really appreciate you being on and i tell you what tell the listeners how to get in touch with you and uh tell them about your facebook page and and emails and all that just tell everybody how to get in touch with quails forever and uh okay. If they want to join up. If they want or, to join or help out or, yeah, or whatever. Get, maybe even get into quail hunting, you know. Go yeah, start, you so know, finding them places to, to go. To help, you know, I don't, have, I don't have any private land to help them on. You know, I, I got a place maybe with, a, you know, maybe a deer hunt on it. You know, a little bit of land, but, you know, as far as quail, I don't have a private place. But as far as right. uh, public lands, I can point, you know, anybody that wants to in a general direction, you know, where there's probably some birds at, you know, and, you know, they put in, a, you know, you know, four or five miles, they probably can find a covey of birds. But uh, people can reach me at 256-794-2387. Or my email is jlmitchell, with two L's, 42, at yahoo.com. And if somebody would like to join Quell Forever, they can go to quellforever.org. And there's a, a join a link in there. And, you know, they can... You know, you know, it's a thirty-five dollar. You know, if they want to, uh, you know, have someone meet them, kind of talk about it. You know, I can get it. You know, if somebody just gets in touch with me, I can get them in touch with the closest chapter. And uh, you know, also on the quellforever.org page, there's a map you can put in your zip code to see what chapter is closest to you. And like I said, we have nine in, in the state, so there's bound to be one, you know, within two hours of drive of you. So plenty of opportunity there. And uh, you know, most of our chapters have Facebook pages. You can go to Quail Forever uh, in Alabama Facebook page, and you know, send a message if you you know want to find a specific page, and you kind of find out news about you know what people's doing in the state of Quail Forever as a whole. Uh, our chapters page is uh, Black Warrior Quail Forever. Uh, James that you talked to, his is Northeast Alabama Quail Forever, and he has a Facebook page. He's really active on there, and they're having a uh, the Northeast Alabama chapter is having a banquet coming up. I think it's next week. Is that? I believe it's the seventh. Yeah, I believe it's the seventh. Okay. And then uh, the Covey Rice chapter, which is in Alexander City, will be having theirs the next week, and they have a really nice dinner uh, with grilled quail that's uh, prepared by a really good chef. Uh, really fine dinner down there so they have a really good turnout so you can go uh been on some hunts uh buy some tickets for shotguns or rifles or you know um you know different hunts so um just get in touch with us um with you know love to have people join up you know and give us some ideas of, you know places to work and uh you know you know more support on you know with activities you know uh, getting youth involved and getting you know in, you know adults involved in you know in hunting right well i tell you what i think we covered just about everything you can cover and you <laughs> i mean you you know your stuff and i'm glad you were on here to talk about it because uh you gave a lot of information a lot of great information and i really appreciate it 
Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is it's been a it's been a pleasure. I, I wasn't uh, aware of your podcast uh, until James told me about it. So um, uh, we'll we'll uh, definitely post this online. Hopefully, uh, you can reach out to people and hopefully recruit some hunters as well through your, oh, yeah. your platform. Yeah, we're we're gonna try and, and like I said, you know, we're fledgling. We're you know we're just up and coming. So, but uh, we got a good start. We got a good little following going on. So, uh, and we're really gonna promote this. Uh, you know, that's what we're about. We're about all hunting and fishing in the state of Alabama, and so you know we love it all. We love to hunt and fish, and uh, anything we can do to help, we're gonna do it. So, uh, and I think we're gonna go. I believe we're gonna go to the uh, the one up in section Alabama. Right. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet James. Back, back yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna meet James there, and uh, and maybe I we get together and because uh, I talked to you the other day, and uh, you know it, it's a small world because you're over in the Birmingham area, and I'm over here in in uh, East Alabama, and we was talking about where I live, and you actually turkey hunt just right up the road from where I live. <laughs> yeah, one, one property over, and we're. Yeah. we're Turkey hunting the same. Uh, We're hunting the same birds. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I knew somebody was calling over that mountain the other day. Last, last I know. That's, that's the son of a gun right I there. Was messing us up. Y'all was probably getting schooled. <laughs> yeah, but um, I hope you get to come down. And I tell you what, we got some good places to turkey hunt, and we talked about also duck hunting together. If it works out, you know, you can go on a duck hunt with us. But uh, uh, I'm sure I'm glad you came on. And uh, I hope you, I hope we have you back, and I'm sure Welcome we will. Welcome back anytime, Jimmy, yeah, anytime. anytime. And if you have anything you want to promote, just give us a call. We'll be glad to, you know, help you promote it. Well, I appreciate it, Jamie and Landon. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, All right thanks, see Jimmy. You, Jimmy. All right, bye. Bye. Man, Jimmy, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He was answering questions that we had wrote down, and we didn't even ask him. <laughs> I know. It. I know. It. I, was, I just let him sit, sit there and let him talk. I, I tell mean, you, there's a reason he's a, he's 33. 32. He's 32, and he's the president of the Black Warrior Chapter of Quell Forever. It's because he's an ambitious guy. Yeah, he's a, he's like a he's like a tore-up radio. He don't play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a, he knows his stuff. And I'm glad he was on here because he answered a lot of questions for me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm definitely, definitely going to – use some of the things he said to improve our stuff and know? i and i hope everybody else does too and i hope someone listening to this podcast will you know take what jimmy said and you know try to start you know doing a little quail hunt yeah. you know find some people to uh network with and you know go on some quail hunts and you know just try to make it have fun because it's just like it's with about, deer, yes it's, it's just like with deer hunting and turkey hunting and duck hunting or whatever you like to do the hunters are the ones that keep the game and help with the conservation of the animals so the more quail hunters there are in the state the more money is going to be there to improve the quail habit. exactly exactly we got to help sell hunting and fishing license that's, that's what man. that's our job and that's what we got to do and we want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and don't forget to follow us on social media uh, on facebook we are alabama sportsman uh, instagram is one the number one alabama sportsman and don't forget to go to youtube you can start watching these episodes on youtube 
and we're going to have some other like we got we're starting to film our hunts now so we're going to start having hunts and fishing trips on there so go to our youtube channel and it's uh alabama sportsman there and don't forget to subscribe mash that subscribe button when you go there we just want to thank y'all again for listening and thank y'all for tuning in and we'll see y'all next time